Hi everyone, I am Veronica Bamford-Dean and today I am thrilled to be guest hosting this Charity Chat podcast in celebration of International Women's Day. As many of you may know, I'm the co-founder and managing director of Work for Good and we help charities raise sustainable income from business sales. Sales fundraising is a flexible and sustainable way for businesses to support their favourite charities and every time they make a sale, they raise a donation. However, in this episode, I will be chatting with the hugely accomplished and inspirational Maria Chenoweth, CEO of Trade and co-founder of the first ever charity supermarket. Now, you'll be hearing how charity shops have been a constant in her life, from visiting and shopping with them when she was growing up to forging her career. Trade is a UK charity working to tackle the negative socio-environmental impacts of production, consumption and waste in the fashion industry. Trade keeps clothes in use for longer by providing the public with a network of clothes reuse surfaces and charity shops. It champions the powerful benefits of wearing secondhand clothes and funds global projects supporting the people and places making our clothes. Now, the Charity Retail Association is the primary membership association for charity shops in the UK, and their members have over 9,000 charity shops, generating more than £330 million in surplus funds each year, which is fantastic. As you'll probably know, charity shops have been around for decades and they are becoming even more popular these days. Charity shops promote charitable causes as well as environmentally sustainable, provides an environmentally sustainable experience. Also, charity shops provide thousands of volunteering opportunities, helping people build up their skills and experience. So without further ado, let me bring Maria into the conversation as she is certainly the one in the know and uh, much better to listen to her than hear me banging on about what I think I know about charity shops. That was a brilliant intro. I can I can uh, I can switch off now. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't Maria. <laughs> but welcome and really it's a, a huge pleasure to chat with you today. I know you're extremely busy. How are you? I'm good, yes. Um, I've never been so busy, but it's an amazing busy. Um, yes, we launched um, Charity Supermarket five weeks ago <clears throat> and didn't even contemplate that it would be so successful. And still I have my permanent, you know, other full-time job, um, which is, you know, again, a very privileged position of um, the CEO of trade um where I've been for 25 years I think this year congratulations thank you that's a long time and I've still got ideas and it's still very exciting and novel and fresh and um yeah this is my 30th year in charity retail so that's that's a long time and I've been wearing secondhand clothes um since I was about 13 so that's even longer than 30 years so yeah, <laughs> you're a trailblazer from your teens. That's brilliant. And I'd love to, we're going to come on to talking a bit more about trade and your journey and also charity supermarket, which is very exciting and very prominent at the moment for you. Could you share a little bit about your background? I know I did touch upon you uh, uh, buying and shopping in charity shops when you were much younger. I heard that on another podcast, actually, Little Birdie told me. But I'd love to hear a little bit about about your background and, and tell tell the listeners about it. Yeah, so um, I come, I've, and it's, you know, 
you do meet people like CEOs and, and people who have like made businesses. And what's always very interesting, there's usually a backstory as well of, um, you know, from childhood to like integrated into your career. So, yeah, that's very interesting. And listening to people's backstory. Mine, mine is isn't my well, yeah, my backstory is um, I came from a little seaside town where nothing really happened um, and there was no clothes shops and um, you'd have to get a bus into Bristol um, mm. to go clothes shopping and um, sometimes there weren't even any buses you know in the winter <laughs> so I discovered jumble cells and oh my god it was the most exciting thing ever I lived for Saturdays and jumble cells and the clothes, the smell, the nostalgia, the design, the buttons, being able to dress up, you know, being the oddity in the town. It was beyond anything to the point that my mother banned me from um, going to jumble cells. And uh, we lived in a bungalow. And so I'd like hoist these um, black bin bags, you know, into my bedroom and, and dress up and pretend I was other people. My mother, um, was also obsessed with clothes she was a shopaholic and um but she was always buying like clothes from Marks and Spencer's and new clothes so she'd come running in on a Saturday hiding her clothes from my father and putting them in her wardrobe so in this bungalow in these two parallel rooms was the same lunacy going on apart from <laughs> mine was secondhand contraband and hers was St Michael's um in the days of good quality running through to the bedroom that's brilliant so you you can't really question where you got it from then can you <laughs> uh, no. and um can you tell us a little bit more about how trade started mm. so after yeah I, I moved to London and you know in those days um secondhand secondhand was fashionable and so then um another long story, I ended up volunteering at Oxfam, ended up, um, I didn't start as CEO of trade. Um, so I started the day after it launched. And um, it was sort of launched on the big breakfast. So again, you'd have to be in your 40s and 50s to remember that. Um, it was um, a very cookie news program on um, Channel 4, which was also quite new. So trade was sort of launched um, to be youthful, colourful, vibrant, and very different within its market. Um, then it hit some bad times, which is when then I took over as CEO and turned the organisation around. And here we are today, um, very successful, very in demand. And um, I, I think in part trade has accomplished making charity retail palatable and um a broader demographic was attracted to it as well um and and we did change the the shape and look of charity retail I, I truly believe that we were very unique on the high street you know compared to everybody else and then today wanting to take charity retail further you know charity supermarket I believe you know we've really really now made charity retail mainstream um due to its location the demographic that goes in store and yeah the people that shop there it's amazing you know um there's kids going in with their parents like you used to in the old department stores you know the cnas mm -hmm. and debenhams and i um, do remember <laughs> yeah everybody finding something that they love and being happy the music so yes 
So from volunteering jumble sales to, to making charity retail mainstream, which is, you know, it should be. And did you, you sort of said you started at trade, but not as CEO. Did you have ambitions to become CEO or was it just some sort of a serendipitous way of sort of transitioning in? The need was there, the position was there, your experience was there. Can you, can you talk um, about that? I'd always been promoted wherever I'd been because I was very good at making money and generating income through retail. And um yeah, the opportunity came and um, I said, I want to be the CEO. And they said, no, I said, I want to be, no, no. I got a lot of no's actually. And um, so I really- for any good reason, may I interrupt you and ask for any good oh, reason? Oh, <laughs> because I, I was young. I, ha- I didn't have any experience as, you know, managing an organisation or turning something round. Mm. And also the, inter- the, the interview process was also being managed by an agency. So, yeah, I did have a lot of no's until I, don't, I managed somehow through persistence to get an interview for the organisation that I worked for and um, obviously did something in my interview that I was the wild card, they called me, um, which is nice. And um, I did it and I turned it around and here we are today. So, and I think from that, that's, you know, anyone can sort of do anything, I believe, um, and as long as you're given this opportunity. And so I carry that through within trade. So a lot of the senior managers were people that started as volunteers, sales assistants, um, you know, come over to the UK and were doing ver- jobs from nannying or whatever. And yeah, you can give people senior management positions, responsibility, and they can people can do it. It's amazing. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. And giving opportunity to perhaps people who weren't expecting that opportunity as well yeah. and giving them the the opportunity to thrive, to grow, to learn, to make mistakes. We all do yeah. them. Mistakes are essential for learning. And, you know, you never you don't chastise people for mistakes. Anyone can make a mistake, you know, it could be external factors, which has driven an error or something. So, yeah. Yeah, precisely. And Maria, if you could rewind to the start of your CEO role at Trade, what words of wisdom would you have shared with yourself? Bloody hell. Um, (laughs) That everything will be okay in the end, you know, because you don't know how something's going to turn out. That could have been the ruin of my career equally, you know, taking on an organisation that was like going down the plug hole at the time. And if it had gone down the plug hole, then... I, I, yeah, I could have gone down the plug hole with it, I guess. So I guess that was additional motivation to make it work. Sound like you've got an awful lot of resilience. I hope so. Um, But on top of being at trade, you've also studied at the Open University Business School. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) What made you want to do this? I think your face just told me everything. Um, Obviously, people can't see your face, but it was a look of why did I do that? (laughs) Oh, it's it's one of the best things I ever did. I failed everything at school because it didn't interest me. And so... um, my chair at the time said, um, oh, what extra training would you like? And so being cocky and just a bit tongue in cheek, I said, oh, an MBA. And uh, next thing she said, well, apply. And I said, OK, of course, I didn't think I'd get on the course because I had no qualifications. 
So luckily, the Open University accepted me on my career and um, it, they, they've got a policy called Open Learn. So again, it's a bit like going for the post of CEO. You, you think you can't do these things. It, you, you do something tongue in cheek and next thing you're on the journey. And so, yeah, then um, I studied the MBA at the uh, Open University and I sort of found it sort of polar end. I found it really hard and really easy at the same time it's it was effortless and all effort so I think the procrastination was definitely an issue and I'd spend most of my time up the town looking at pens and notebooks as opposed to sitting down doing the work my um, student doesn't <laughs> yeah and and then at the end, there there was a module called uh, Making a Difference, where you have to do your own sort of study and, and metrics. And so I chose um, what would it, what is the benefits of, you know, being a more external CEO. And I think what I did with the MBA, I actually put everything I did into my practice. Um, and so I did go more external. And again, I don't think we probably wouldn't be sat here today. Charity supermarket wouldn't happen. So... Yeah, I was very in, I was very internal looking um, at that time and really didn't have the confidence to go out, you know, if I'm honest and give interviews or talk. And so I went on training courses and yeah, and I did it. And yeah, it's it, it's been life changing. And but I did get a bit peeved at the learning material at the Open University. So from going outside and speaking to other people, then, you know, I was very privileged to meet some um, climate activists, um, Ramon and various other people who sort of opened my eyes to, you know, the the climate emergency catastrophe that we're actually in. And so then I sort of, in my mind, linked the two, like, you know, we're, we're being taught um, business, um, through the MBAs um, of, you know, this exponential growth and everything's about competition. Most of the business models are written by men in the 1950s. And I thought they're really not fit for purpose anymore. So I sort of went back and challenged the Open University a little bit, you know, very nicely because they're very lovely, kind people. Anyway, cut long story short, I've ended up a fellow and um, have contributed to some material of the MBA, um, like transitioning to a green economy so on and so forth so yeah my my journey with them is still ongoing and yeah I was there the other week and gave a talk which is very nice that's brilliant with all with all the skills you you created and you learned and you went out I love that I love that module and in your MBA going to go and look at how to externalize being a CEO I think that's really interesting As well as being a fellow and CEO of Trade, you're also a mother. And uh, then this year, or probably last year, actually, you decided to embark on your new newest venture, the charity supermarket, uh, which has become a huge success. Could you tell us a little bit more about the concept behind it? Um, what made you want to do this? The external factor that sort of linked in. So it was like... Um... Wayne Hemingway I'd worked with, he he helped launch trade all those years ago. 
and he he sort of recognized that I wasn't being given a voice and platform and thought that I did great work which is very kind and so he kindly you know got me to be on a platform talking to the CRA for example and so we listened to what the charity retailers and their frustrations were which was are they fundraisers? Are they sustainable fashion alternatives? You know, charity retailers were, were requested to be so many things and it's very complicated for the board. The board just wants you to be a fundraiser for the hospice. Yeah, so we listened and then we went back a year later. And so, you know, I like to question myself and I said, you know, what have we done a year later? Nothing. So, okay, same problems. Um, and so at the same time, um, in the press was lots of um, fast fashion retailers sucking up the oxygen of um, all the press and media saying they're sustainable by selling secondhand clothes. And they were getting all these good news stories. I thought it was really sick, actually. Yeah, it really, really peeved me greatly. So I had a, there was a few objectives. It was like... Charity retail has to be mainstream. You know, you touched on how many charity stores there were earlier. And there's as many charity retail outlets as there are fashion outlets. There's as many people working in charity retail, including volunteers, as there is on the retail fashion high street in the UK. It's like a mirror. It's quite kooky, apart from we don't make as much money. And so we try to get press for charity retail, you know, and no one wanted to listen to us We're writing the story. So an objective was mainstream, how can we get press um, and how can we raise more money and maybe create an umbrella brand where people can be fundraisers, sustainable, and we can bring all those problems and issues together. And so we went out together and spoke to all the landlords, you know, all the high up, you know, people that own all the land and retail spaces and some people didn't get it and then we knocked on Wondell Hammersons and Harry he did get it because his kids um, were shopping secondhand you know and he just totally got it and they gave us this store in Brent Cross and um, which was a bit scary a destination <laughs> Um, and I used to go there with my children because um, it was so easy to like wheel the prams around um, and yeah, we had four weeks to get this thing together. We had no charity retailers signed up. Oh, my God. So each week had a problem, and each week a problem had to be solved. It was really stressful and um, really, again, showed that you can achieve things if you just try. Um, you know, you pick up the phone, you just do something different. And so, yeah, four weeks later, um, and it was over Christmas, so there was a Christmas shutdown to deal with as well. And and we pulled it off and we hit our sales targets four days in. Wow. The press and media was beyond our comprehension. You know, on the Saturday, we were the third most read BBC News online article, which to me, that meant nothing. And so when I said, well, what does that mean? And someone said, well, that's the same as um, Prince Harry's book, Spare. Um, so, yeah, it just it's, it's just rolled and rolled. Japanese TV, Chinese TV, BBC. I, yeah, it's been The Guardian, The Mail, The Express. Next, we're going to Reading. And what we seem to have is we, we seem to be uh, given these old top shop stores. 
mm-hmm. um, which is so it sort of makes it ironic and iconic at the same sense, you know, from doing bad to doing good. If you go into charity supermarket, there's 10 charities, all retailing under one roof. It's 10,000 square foot. It's next to John Lewis and opposite Apple. That's the element that makes it mainstream because charities mm-hmm. have retail next to those retailers. Our branding's amazing. And so each charity is set up like a department. So like you would find a department store and each charity is quite different, you know, trade and our mix of clothing is different to, I don't know, Marie Curie. So the whole concept of walking into a store where all your money does good, charities, we mop up and fund and support the things that governments don't, the neglected things. So imagine walking into a store and, you know, buying your clothing, your fashion, and that money could go to end of life care. It goes to cancer, research into cancer. It goes in trades case, you know, supporting garment workers and the environment. Um, Hospices, we've got the North London Hospice, Havens Hospice, all aboard, shelter, homelessness. So, yeah, 10 charities and, and 10 outcomes. And um, I was at an event um, this week and it was all about um, fashion retailers, you know, selling secondhand again. It's the bane of my life. Mm. Uh, and and they're just doing it to say they're circular and they, they're saying it's a circular business and sustainable business model. And it's not because that money is then going back to profit, making more crap that is damaging the planet and people and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think my my message there, which got totally lost, um, is leave secondhand retailing to the charity retailers. We've been doing it since the 40s, the 30s. We've been doing it for years. We do good stuff with our secondhand clothes. Um, We don't need greenwashing. And, And one day, the most important message is, You might not know when you may need one of our services. I think that's the misunderstanding with charity is that people don't necessarily know when they're using it, actually, because charity supports so many services that Mm. society offers, but also there will probably be a time where everyone's going to need charity at some point Um, but there has been there's been a real increase also in charity shop shopping hasn't there that's in terms of you know we're thinking a lot across the sector about how do we diversify income where are the positive income streams and charity retail is one of the growing income streams and you have played an enormous part in this at trade and with charity supermarket and being a, a figurehead is this, would that be one of your proudest moments or what sort of would be one of your proudest moments? I, I never notice what I do. <laughs> very humble, Maria. You are very humble. It sort of just feels effortless that it's, I don't know. Yeah. And is that because you enjoy it so much? Because you know what you're doing is making a difference. And therefore that is one of the things I like to ask people is what gets you out of bed every day? What gets you up in the morning? Oh, uh, I just I, I just feel so privileged because I enjoy so much what I do. I, I mean, I love I love, you know, the secondhand clothes and yeah, I love 
interacting with people. Um, I love, you know, I love also, you know, retailing and, and business. You know, you get a huge buzz from that. And this year's theme for International Women's Day is centred around embracing equity. As a leader, do you have any thoughts on sort of what you would share with others in the sector to make their organisations more equitable? We were talking a little bit about it at the beginning in terms of providing those opportunities and spaces for people to grow. Is there anything else that you might share? Trade is totally multinational. um, And I think, again, we were quite niche um, because everybody was welcome. Now everybody is welcoming everybody, which is great, you know, regards to gender, sexuality and so on and so forth. You know, I think I think also what's very interesting with regards to the senior management team, just uh, from another perspective, is, you know, being flexible with uh, people with children. So what's been quite interesting is because of my gender and I've had children, then obviously have a bit more empathy. So it's the men um, who've had the children who are like doing flexible hours for their childcare but their wives aren't being given that flexibility in their workplace. So that's quite interesting. So I was sat here actually wondering the other night, you know, if the wives have male bosses. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So that's, that's a bit of an interesting dynamic. Yeah. And always a little bit of a, a head scratcher as well. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Why we're, we're still having these conversations. I wouldn't see the most, uh, incredible play last night Sylvia I don't know if you've, you've seen or heard about it about Sylvia oh. Pankhurst and her story it's on at the old Vic but my gosh it was moving inspiring but also really quite disheartening so we're still having the same conversations but we continue as she kept saying you get knocked down seven times you get up eight so we will continue to fight what's what's right I was I was recently reading a book, Maria. Uh, it's called "If I Could Tell You One Thing" by Richard Reed, and he's the founder. He was the founder of Innocent Smoothies, and whenever he meets somebody he admires, he always asks them for their best piece of advice. So, if they could tell him one thing, what would it be? May I ask you if you could tell women one thing in the early stages of their career? What would that be? the the best thing that you can do is just do something different and try something you know you can create change by just doing something different and thinking differently um and I know that sounds probably quite trivial but that's that's where all the change um sort of happen and it's so simple okay so we may think something is difficult and impossible, but there's a huge potential that it's not. So, you know, whether it's setting up charity supermarket, you know, most people, I don't know what hasn't been done before, or, you know, someone hasn't tried it or, um, yeah, or applying for the job of CEO or, you know, which is out of your reach. Just go for it, try it and... Um, just do do stuff differently. I love that. Go for it and try it. Don't give up. <laughs> Maria, thank you so much for 
giving us your time and sharing your story and all the incredible things that you've been doing. Um, I really wish you well with Charity Supermarket uh, and the next step in step in the journey in Reading. Is that at the Oracle, Bernie? It is. It is uh, the Oracle. Do you uh, know it? I'm a I'm an Oxford born girl, so uh, you know when I probably hit about thirteen, so when we're talking about I was allowed hmm. to go to the Oracle. So there, there we go. Um, Maybe I'll see you at the Oracle. <laughs> yes, you might do. But do you know what? I am actually going to try and try and go to um charity supermarket on sunday because i have a whole free day ahead of me and uh, we've been speaking about it within the work for good team and a couple of my colleagues have been and just says it's it's mm. brilliant so um but maria if anyone wanted to sort of get in contact or perhaps follow you would the best be place be on linkedin and if they want to have a look at charity supermarket and trade as well yeah charity supermarket it's super.mkt and trade which is spelled t-r-a-i-d and Maria, which is spelled as it is. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're all on LinkedIn and um, Twitter is also good as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for giving us your time. It's been super to speak to you. And I hope uh, you've definitely inspired me, but I hope you've inspired all Charity Chats listeners as well. Thank, thank you. you very much.